Welcome to the Bloody Disgusting Podcast, everyone, the podcast where we discuss all the disgusting things we love in the horror world. And help us discuss the disgusting. You know her as lead movie critic for Bloody Disgusting, horror movie fanatic and journalist Megan Navarro. Hey, Megan. Hello. And you know her from YouTube channel and website realqueenofhorror.com and her infant love for the genre, Zena Dixon. Hey, Zena. Hey. And I'm John. If you're listening to this on Wednesday when the episode drops, we hope two weeks men filled all the best kinds of horror. And if not, we've got a dark trio approved title for you. Yay. As you can tell from all the spoilers that I both put in the title and the description of this episode, we will be breaking from our usual format for another deep dive in a 2022 favorite Jordan Peele's Nope. And we hope you all had a happy or happy holidays. We forgot to say that last episode. Happy holidays. Hope you had happy holidays. Uh, so we are deviating from the normal this week because, you know, it was Christmas and we were tired and <laughs> we didn't. We didn't want to record. <laughs> so so we did this. And we've been talking about doing a deep dive for Nope in a really long time. Or for a really long time. That was actually one of the original ones that we were going to do for Patreon. And, and now you get to listen to it free. <laughs> there you go. I'm just rambling at this point. So I'll just start with the whole spoilers thing. Spoilers. If you haven't seen Nope, please stop listening Go watch Nope. It is available right now for free on Peacock. I think it's for free on Peacock. I have a Peacock subscription, so I guess I'm not sure if it's in the free tier. It's You have to be a subscriber, but okay. it's available there if you are. Yeah, or treat rent yourself. it. Uh, yeah. Rent, yeah, just treat yourself. Just treat it, yeah. Rent it at Amazon. Get Peacock anyway. You can go watch Yellowstone. Uh, they got other stuff, I guess, too. I don't know. Um, <laughs> or rent it or buy it. It's Jordan Peele. There you you know, and we're... It's it's Dark Trio approved, so we are clearly going to be at the forefront of saying, "Yeah, go buy it, or rent it, or support actors and just watch filmmakers it, just and... watch it." Yeah. So spoilers and spoilers and spoilers. <laughs> I'm not so scared about spoiling this as I was for Barbarian, so I feel a little bit safer that I don't have yeah. to keep saying spoilers. But spoilers in five, four, three, two. One, if you haven't turned off the episode and you haven't seen Nope at this point, not our fault. Megan's going to take it away as we spoil the ever-loving hell out of Nope. Ever-loving hell. I don't know. Can we do that? We could probably do that. Okay. Um, So this leading into Nope, very mysterious marketing, right? Um, Mm -hmm. Even the trailer that debuted at Super Bowl gave nothing away, sent fan theories into overdrive. So many were positive that Nope was an acronym from not a planet earth uh and uh so the marketing kept it coy until it finally got released on july 22 the synopsis for writer director jordan peele's third movie is a man and his sister discover something sinister in the skies above their california horse ranch where the owner of a nearby theme park tries to profit from the mysterious otherworldly phenomenon um i will kind of debunk that no, not a planet earth theory right away peel said of the title uh the title speaks to the idea of an audience reacting to what they're thinking and feeling in the theater when you tell people it's mm-hmm. a scary movie a lot of times they say nope so i want to acknowledge those people with the title and bring them in this is about the person who thinks they don't love horror movies to show them that maybe they do Aww. so i actually wanted to start by asking <laughs> how you both feel about alien and extraterrestrial movies, um, do you find them scary? Xena, do you find alien? I I do not. I don't always watch them a lot. Um, but whenever I do, I always have like a good time with it. 
the idea of it is scary, but it's not the one like it's not the subgenre that really scares me or even speaks to me. Yeah. Not that it's bad. It's just it's not always my go to. Would you? Yeah. Oh, just a quick follow up for Zena Mm -hmm. real quick. I'm like just curious if or maybe maybe this applies to both of you. I'm just curious if you would have been a harder sell on Nope going in if it wasn't Peel, like if it was just mm. an alien movie. So I don't know. See, if... Because I really like him, I think that I had more of a drawn, like I was more drawn towards it more. And plus right. I'm big on marketing. So I kind of like the mystery who, of course you're going to want to know, Yeah, you know, that's what keeps people enticed. Like I have people who, don't even like horror. Oh, they say they don't like horror, but they've heard about Nope and they would they were all over the trailer and they were trying to figure out the poster and you know what I mean? So yeah. that's just really great. It's like, I feel like it's a great conversation starter and I feel like with a lot of his movies, that's how it is. John, are you an alien kind of guy? Uh, g- generally, no. Um, I, I like sci-fi just fine. Right. Uh, um aliens don't particularly scare me it has to be a pretty outstanding horror movie for aliens to scare me like the original alien mm-hmm. like i can ge- genuinely if i turn the lights off and i watch alien i still know what's happening it's still like oh god this still works on me uh but for the most part also because i don't believe in aliens that i'm like it's it's more fabrication mm-hmm. like i can be more scared by freddy krueger by the idea of like the fantastical like demonic something like that happening more than I can for aliens. Yeah. Um. So gen- so, but if it's like Psycho Gorman, yeah, it totally works. Not yeah. scared, love it. Not scared. Uh. So, the concept of aliens. I remember when it was kind of first revealed before the movie was actually out that you know you, you realized that it was aliens. I was kind of like, how how is he going to do aliens? <laughs> like I was apprehensive but it's jordan peele right you know like he hadn't done wrong by me yet and to your question about if it wasn't peele i think i think if it wasn't peele the marketing would have been different probably and to xena's point the marketing did sell me on the concept of aliens more where i'm like all right well what's he gonna do with it yeah like let's check it out right but you know if, if i had watched a movie that had been a traditional trailer cut uh, type trailer of what we see in the movie i, I might have been like eh. <laughs> like i might have been like all right sure i'll check it out on streaming maybe i was definitely more intrigued because it was jordan peele and because of how they marketed it yeah um uh, i'm of the same boat not normally aliens are not at the top of my horror favorites list um don't find them scary necessarily there are a few that obviously are i mean i think fire in the sky builds to a pretty incredible ending but mostly i'm like yes but yeah i'm i was also like all right let's let's see what jordan peele has and i'm obsessed with the mystery i have no idea really what Mm -hmm. to expect going in um because the fourth kind was kind of scary yeah in its own way yeah because the mix of real footage and everything like that helped lend a little bit of cre- not credence, but you know, uh, it grounded it yeah. more. And I think that's the difficulty is grounding aliens <laughs> to have that type of connection. We will have to get into how that applies to Nopes shortly. Um, yeah, I just watched an interview with Jordan Peele and um and and uh, Keegan Michael Key, mm-hmm. 
mm-hmm. they were talking about their their new animated. Oh, movie. Wendell and Wild. Yeah, but Aww. and they were talking about how to write comedy versus how to or when you write comedy versus when you write horror. Oh yes, yeah. is when you ground horror uh, a scene in reality and horror, it makes it scary. When you ground it in reality and comedy, it makes it funny. Mm-hmm. And so it's like that. It's like okay, well, how are you going to make this feel real? And I think that, and I, I personally think you did a really good job <laughs> in this. Um, but it's tough. That's a tough genre to make scary. Yeah, I agree. Um, but speaking of scary, I feel like we should kind of nip this in the bud right off the bat because especially being that it's end of year and there's a lot of end of year consideration and discussions um, and reflections upon all the releases throughout the year. Nope. Frequently. I cannot tell you how many times I've seen the tired Mm -hmm. complaint slash argument that this is not horror. This is sci-fi. So do you consider this horror? Zena, do you consider no horror? Yes, I do. It's a sci-fi horror. It's It's a a horror because... I'm sorry. Yeah, I, I know what, what arguments you like. I, I, I'm not trying to fight you. It's everybody. Oh, no, else. no, no. I know you're not. Lay, lay, that's um, got her hands up. Get She's on the podium. Get on um, that podium. It's just, Tell them. You know, school we, them. We had this conversation before many, many times. And I'm so tired of having <laughs> this conversation because every couple of weeks, there's someone that's saying something. You know, when it comes to horror, it is very much subjective. Right. So what scares you will not scare me. But what's funny is no one does this with comedy movies. No right? offense, but right. I did not find Napoleon Dynamite funny at all. No. I didn't laugh. I, but it, Thank you, Zena. Thank you. It, it is so hard for me to convince people it's my so age annoying. Like people always, let's watch it. No. So it's <laughs> it's kind of like, you know, it doesn't mean just because I don't think it's funny that it's not a comedy. You right. get what I'm saying? Right. So that's that's my argument right there because I always see people, I, I will see on Twitter at the time, you know, people arguing with themselves or each other. You know, just basically saying how it's not a horror because, you know, it's it is more alien based. It is more this. It's all more that. Guys, did you miss the scene again? And John already said this. So there's this is I can say what I want. Say did it. you it's all miss the scene? First off, with the the angry. Well, he wasn't angry with the chimpanzee. OK, ripping off people's faces. Then yeah. on top of that, there was a house of blood literally so what are you talking about one of the best scenes of the The year best and so it's just that's why i feel that it is it's a horror yes it could be horror can be other things okay it could could be horror comedies there could be horror romances horror dramas this one just so happens to be like you know a little sci-fi there's nothing wrong with that so please go argue with the wall thank you (laughs) that's my answer i think it's a good one do you have any you know, add-ons? <laughs> the first time I watched this, I wasn't sure. Okay. We're going to fight. Uh, because I I said the first time I watched I'm it. I'm sorry. Because I was just witnessing it. I was just watching it. And it, it, it took me... I, I rewatched it today so I could be more fresh uh-huh. in, in the front of my mind. And it's a lot more suspenseful and tense than I, I necessarily remember the first time because I was kind of like... I was more thinking, what's next, what's next, what's next, mm-hmm. instead of being in the moment of the scene. But most of the scenes are filled with tension and suspense. I mean, God, even when he's on the set holding the horse, and you know these jackasses are going to do something wrong to piss off that horse. And yeah. I'm waiting for the horse to kill someone like the monkey did at the very <laughs> beginning, like kick someone in the head. <laughs> and 
like his dad, like taking a nickel to the eye, ah! like, which is also this really, like, I kind of still laugh at because it's the absurdity of him bringing home this nickel, hmm. just a nickel that fell through his dad's eye and ended up killing him. Like that's, that's the legacy it ended with because of a nickel, frankly, because of money, which is another layer potentially of the the whole theme of things that are going on within um, the movie itself. But yeah, the, the blood scene and everything else, I think what might lose people is because the climax of the movie happens in daylight. And I think it happening in broad daylight throws people for horror a lot. Midsummer, when it's broad not- daylight. I was going to say that. No one said anything about Midsummer. Tremors, broad daylight. Yeah, the I think people still argue Midsummer being horror. I, I'm gonna I'm gonna nip it in the bud because I think we're all unanimous on this. Um, and if you don't want to listen to the Dark Trio, that's fine. But listen mm-hmm. to Jordan Peele, who flat out refers to Thank it you. repeatedly as a horror movie. Even the quote yep. that I read off the top uh, explaining the title, it's a horror movie. And mm-hmm. if he considers it a horror movie, end of discussion. The end because the filmmaker. You know, but if it's not scary, think, that doesn't matter. It's still horror. Yeah. To right. Zena's point, like, fine. It, you didn't think it was scary. Okay. And? And? Yeah. Do we, want, do we really want to start listing all the horror movies we've watched that didn't scare us? Quite a few. What an <laughs> exercise in futility. Yeah. Right. But like I said, I just noticed that they people don't really do that with any other genre. Yeah. Especially comedy. No. And it's just like yeah, I said, there's exactly. a lot of comedy movies that do not make me laugh at all. I don't even crack a smile, but it doesn't mean that it's not a comedy. Right. Well, and I but I and I think the bar that Jordan Peele set with his first two films made has made people that much more hypercritical of it. That there's you're gonna get the naysayers that much like more aggressive at that point. There's also splitting hairs when you kind of create a genre bender when you have like a yeah. little bit of a western tinge to it and you have yeah. a little bit right. of like sci-fi. So like then people get super like rigid with their boxing. Um mm-hmm. but enough about it. It's horror. That's done yeah. deal. I I wanted to talk about the characters, this very rich world of lived-in characters. Uh, Daniel Kalua is Otis A.J. Haywood Jr. That's Otis's son that uh, John mentioned. The, the dad was played by Keith David, who we thought was going to be around a lot. At least I did going into this. <laughs> yeah. Um, his sister, O.J.'s sister, is played by Kiki Palmer. She's uh, Her character's name is Emerald M. Haywood. Uh, Steven Yun is Ricky Jupe Park, the former child actor uh, slash owner creator of the theme park Jupiter's Claim. Uh, other standouts, obviously Brandon Peria as Angel Torres, the fry mm-hmm. salesman. Love him. Michael Wincott as a renowned cinematographer, Ant- Antlers Holst. Uh, I do want to give a shout out to Terry Notary, who plays Gordy. Uh, Terry Notary mm-hmm. is a stunt worker he is a movement coach he has played a lot of monkeys in his career um especially like the planet of the apes i think um possibly kong i need to look that up again um he also no kong was um oh wait was kong so the the actor who was the golem um uh andy circus but i don't know that he's i thought he played kong too terry i'm looking up all of we're, we're getting the fact straight stat because right. he's in Kong as a character, I guess I assumed he played Kong too. Andy Serkis is fantastic Let's in everything. Though. He did how he doesn't have an Oscar now is a travesty. 
He uh, he was uh, a clown in Cabin in the Woods. He was uh, also in The Hobbit um, as like goblin, just mo- stunt performers, movement coaches. He played mm-hmm. Rocket in Dawn of the Planet of the Apes. Uh, he was King Kong in Kong Skull Island. Oh, in um, Skull Island. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm not talking about the 2005 one. He was the yeah. movement coach for the um, vampire clan in Doctor Sleep. Um, if you've seen mm. The Square, which is um, a comedy, more of like a dramedy, uh, there is an infamous or maybe not quite infamous, but there is a really potent, suspenseful scene in which he comes out and he's acting like a monkey and it terrifies this like hoity-toity crowd. Wow. Anyway, all I wish to say is that um, he is the mocap performer for Go- Gordy, the chimp. Okay. Um, so, yeah, deserves special mention. Um, also, Osgood Perkins, the director of Han- Gretel and Hansel and mm-hmm. um, February, Black Coat's Daughter, mm-hmm. whatever the current name is. Yeah, he, he's in a bit part in the beginning. Anyways, all of that. Um, what were your favorite characters or who were your favorite characters? All of them? Any of them? <laughs> I feel like the siblings are a given because they're great. Yeah. yeah. But were there any other standouts for you? I really like Angel. You know, um, I'm sorry about, you know, his girlfriend, well, ex-girlfriend, you know, <laughs> he seemed really, really upset about that. Um, yeah. But I don't know. He just he had like a cool little vibe to him. And I felt like that was kind of like realistic, because if you were delivering something to some customers and they live out on this beautiful, which, oh, my God, that that place makes me want to live more in the middle of nowhere. You know, it was just so gorgeous. Um, but, yeah, I would be pretty curious, too. Like, what are you guys trying to capture? You know what I mean? I would insert myself in there, too. I want to know. <laughs> so I like the fact that it felt real when he fit in with the siblings. It wasn't like. You know, like sometimes when you watch movies and it's just like they don't really mesh well together. They seem like they they would be that. And then on well, top of that, did which, you ever see? Sorry, did you ever see the interview with the actor who played him about getting the role? I did, and it just made me so happy for where him. where Jordan feels like, yeah, we're, we're we would have to completely rewrite the character for you to have this role. And the guy's like, yeah, yeah, I understand. He's like. So we're rewriting the character, oh, <laughs> like because his performance him. was like not ex- not at all what Jordan Peele expected or wanted. But he's like this, but we want this. Yeah. So he rewrote the character for I him. Think that's so beautiful. yeah. Um, and then I know we we mentioned like the characters and stuff, but I just love Emerald or M. I just think that she's a good time. You know, she's so good. Uh, both of them. So, that's why I'm like I feel like they're them. a given because yeah. she's she's the loud one. Got that hobby weed. You do what? Got that hobby weed. That's all you needed to say. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It is the sibling bond and how different they are from each other. But they're Mm -hmm. so like they feel like family. That's a genuine sibling bond there. But as great as she is, I also feel like it's so easy to dismiss Daniel Kaluuya's like he's got a trickier role as the straight man that's like more introverted and and quiet. So I just I adore them. But uh, Daniel Kaluuya has the greatest stare he does in cinema history no matter what movie he is in if it is nope if it is get out if it is sicario he has the most penetrating stare but but without staring you down can we talk about how diverse that stare is though he oh yes just like wordless and it's like it could be scary it could be intimidating it could be sorrowful Mm -hmm. it could be hilarious there is a moment where he's just staring at his sister and it is like he's not saying a 
word, but you know he's like my yeah. damn sister. <laughs> yeah, it is his what what he delivers without like his wordless performances are absolutely fantastic. Mm-hmm. He's just uh, so diverse. Like his acting is he's got he's range. Literally becomes yeah a different person. It's incredible. It is incredible. Yeah. Both of them are absolutely incredible. Were there any standouts? I feel like I know you were super excited, John, going in for Michael Wincott. So did he live up to I that? Was, oh, yeah. I love Michael no. Wincott being in there at all. I think he needs to narrate everything ever. Purple people <laughs> like, eater. Did you know you were going to get that? Oh, my God. It's just he's he's so fantastic. I, I love him. Even as little as he's actually in the movie. Um, I loved him in there. And Keith David, anything that he can show up in. I love Jupe. Like, uh, what's the actor's name? Steven um, Yoon. Are you Steven talking about Yoon. the kid version or the adult version? The adult version. Yeah, Steven Yoon. He, when you're first really introduced to him and he takes you into the little memorabilia room and he sits cross-legged and he's telling you about how Saturday Night Live, oh, they nailed it. His delivery is so authentically inauthentic it's he did it perfectly. He did it like a failed child actor trying to relive that glory and soaking in the attention of someone who recognized him. Mm-hmm. And he did it so to me so perfectly because I'm listening. I'm like, I don't believe any of the words this guy's saying. Oh my God. Like, you know, how hard that is to authentically deliver an inauthentic speech. Like that's that's like different layers. Like he did such a fantastic job with that character and all of his deliveries. Trying to yell about the horse statue, <laughs> <laughs> like practicing his speech, just being confused. Like when there's the actual presentation and Jean Jacket appears and everything else. Um, and, and my fan theory that this is actually all Jupe's story and everyone else is just spectators. Um, because everything actually is surrounding him and it's his actions. His actions, I think, set actually everything into motion in the first place. Um, everyone else is just dealing with it. But I, I, I found myself when I was rewatching, like watching him and being like, oh my God, like his, like everyone's in this is really good. Mm -hmm. But I was really drawn to his performance this time. Like, like he's really pulling it off as this guy who's trying to be something he never was but thinks he could have been like i i loved it i I thought it was amazingly layered uh i feel like this is a good segue speaking of jupe um his story is what kicks off obviously the movie i i was Mm -hmm. not personally anticipating a movie that I thought was going to be about aliens opening with this vicious animal attack. Um, yeah. So Ricky Jupe's story is kind of the inciting event, like events, so to speak. I mean, it's he he's the reason why yeah. this thing is is hanging around. Um, at least we're theorizing this based on what we we've yeah. seen. Um, but it's also a parallel to the Haywood family. I mean, they're next door neighbors. So it's like he, mm-hmm. how he relates to animals is shown through Gordy and his current handling of it. And it's vastly different than how, you know, Emerald and OJ have this. So I was curious of your thoughts about the parallels there and how they connect, you know, what your kind of read on that was. Um, I know John kind of touched on it a little bit about how his theory is that this is Jupe's story, but 
I'm curious, you know, if you have any other thoughts on that or, or Zena, what your kind of theory is or read is. You know, I, I never looked at it that way. Okay. But I think that that's a, that's a cool angle, like to look at it because kind of like what you said, I was not expecting, expecting that opening. No. You know, like at all. And it completely threw me through a loop because it was shocking. It was brutal. And then from there, then it, you know, it switches up. And then when someplace calm, like, wait, what? You yeah, know, it just, yeah. you know, just, just switched it up. But no, I, um, I never really thought about it, honestly. I, the uh, first, I, I thought about this the first time I watched it. I thought about it even more this most recent time I watched it. And I, maybe I'm totally misreading it, but I watched this entire movie as man's inability to control like nature despite us constantly trying to control nature because at the, so you have Gordy uh-huh. chimp goes crazy paralleling what we've seen in the ripped from the headlines, that woman in Florida who had a chimp and lost her face. And the, the actress from the beginning who lost her face appears at like Jupe's show later. So you see that parallel, um, the horse, like when they first bring it to the set, people not even having any concept of how to even act around this horse to begin with to the point where it freaks out because they have no, they want to use it, Mm -hmm. but they don't know how to be around it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Then you've got Jupe who thinks he can control Jean Jacket or thinks he understands it when reality he's just been feeding it and eventually just pissing it off by staring at (laughs) it. Um, And and it's just like, it's this constant like, Oh, we got this. Like we can control this. It's like, no, no, you can't. Like these are, it's wild. These are animals. They're Mm -hmm. all animals. And at best you can, you can live with them, you know, like, and like M and, and, um, and, uh, oh, Daniel Kalu's character. OJ. OJ. Thank you. (laughs) The young run OJ run. I was just like, (laughs) or at the very beginning on the set, he's like, what's your name? OJ. And the white woman just going. OJ, your name's OJ. Like, yeah, Otis, Otis Junior. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's just how nervous the white people were to deal with the the black guy named OJ. Terrible. And it, it was just like the, it was just this constant attempt for man to try and control and capture and and tame and failing utterly. And I I loved it. I was like, oh god, yeah, good. We're stupid. We think we're smart. We're not. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, for me, it was more of a metaphor, the animals, you know, mm. all within this Hollywood system that chews people up and spits them out. And you see mm-hmm. that, like, you know, with the opening scene that changed Jupe's life, you know, it traumatized mm-hmm. him clearly. But then he kind of years later removed for it. He's he's filtered this through the prism of of um pop culture you know this is now part of pop culture it's snl skits it's mad magazines so he's relaying yeah. it with that kind of laissez-faire Marketing. attitude but then yeah. inside you see flashbacks to like how horrific that was but he never learned from that he was a child so he never connected and so he's treating this thing in in the sky the same way that you know it's like the the flashbacks with gordy ended with an almost fist bump um so he's kind of treating it the same way this is spectacle like he's still he's got this theme park trying to chase the fame of his youth and kind of capitalize on it and meanwhile you've got this family struggling next door that 
they can't pay their bills. OJ is not uh, extroverted enough to get those gigs. His sister is not really like as prevalent in in the family business. They're kind of outsiders looking in. Um, and I think it's fascinating when you see like everything, like you look at the flashbacks and this is where production design really like got me good because those flashbacks, you're looking at the monkey and you're looking at the horror of it. But then you start yeah. looking at when Jupiter's claim is doing the star lasso experience and it's got the aliens mm-hmm. and how much those aliens are designed to look like the cameras from his youth on the day of that set. Um, oh. And then you think about, you know, like you've got the TMZ guy who is willing to die to get his his footage and you've got the cinematographer who is willing to die to get the the final like piece de resistance of his career and it's so much of it is like here's the animals and how we treat them and here's like it's all for the sake of spectacle and how those overlap in this kind of weirdly poetic way see i treated the tmz guy as the hubris the hubris of the of media of being like i'm not in danger i have a camera like the public has a right to know I can do whatever I want. And it's, it's not that he's willing to die. It's that he's so full of hubris that he's going to go into something he knows nothing about but even, because he thinks he deserves to be there. Even as he's like back broken on the ground, he's like, get yeah. the camera. So, you know, at yeah. some point it's like all for the sake of spectacle and getting like that Hollywood you know, fame and, you know, chasing it. Making money. Yeah, making it. And it's nobody's realizing that they're dealing with animals here. It's all for the sake of spectacle. Um, I'm sorry, I was just going to say real quick, you know, kind of going back to, um, to Jupe. Yeah. I, I feel, I feel bad for a lot of people and we'll go into more detail about it, but I feel bad for him, you know, because it just seems like, you know, from the outside, you know, it seems like he's successful And not saying this with all child actors, but it was just kind of like he went through something super traumatic and he never, you know, kind of like what you already said, he never dealt with it. And it just seems like it's just it was in him. You know, we kind of saw that on his face, you know, afterwards. Um, And it's just sad to see. And even with um, we were talking about the TMZ guy, this is kind of like jumping ahead. I don't feel I feel like the TMZ guy is kind of no different then OJ, then M, then Angel. Because it's just like they're trying the their best, yeah, to get that shot. And it's like, yeah. for what? Are you trying to, what are you trying to secure? And like, I'm not saying they want to be famous, but they want something. They want money, mm-hmm. you, which is understandable. I'm not saying you shouldn't chase something, but it's just, even when I think about this, because we work in with our podcast, this yeah. is content. You know, yeah. in a world full yeah. of content, it's it's very sad that like the dude was like literally risking his life to get some content. And I felt like even with, um, you know, the siblings and Angel, they're doing the same thing. But I think in OJ's case, to me, it just seemed like he really didn't have more that he wanted to live for other than his Mm. family business. And then the fact that he saw what happened to his dad, which is like so to me, like that to me was so shocking. And I know, John, you was mentioning the thing with, with the nickel, but it's like he's probably just traumatized with, oh, with yeah. something like that, you know? I, I I don't think that he knew how to process. I don't even know how I would process, you know, something yeah. like that. And then... Well, he doesn't even process it in the moment. Yeah. Like, I noticed that on the rewatch that when Keith David falls off his horse, uh, he doesn't move. There's a solid, like, three ticks before all of a sudden he's, like, moving. 
Like he uh, doesn't process at all what just happened, even though his dad just like collapsed off a horse. Mm -hmm. But yeah, sorry, I I, I jumped around. I'll I'll wait to go into more detail. Okay. Uh, Well, on that note, because I do think that that's a really good point that you made, Zena. It is these are people that are essentially getting chewed up and spit out by a system <laughs> um which is a good segue into the creature because we have to talk mm. about the creature uh, i do want to just kind of give this little blurb that um and this is especially there's like a whole special feature on the blu-ray uh about jean jacket because that's who what they refer to this entity in this yeah. guy but writer director jordan peele attributes much of the inspiration for the alien as coming from sea creatures and and they go into all of the creatures mm. that um inspired it especially like sand dollar and whatnot uh he enlisted the help of scientific consultants including marine biologist kelsey rutledge to help bring the creature known as jean jacket to life she even gave it a scientific name oculonimbus edequus meaning hidden mm. dark cloud stallion eater Wow. Um, so yeah if you want to like i recommend the, the disc is loaded with special features so if you are a nerd like me it's it's worth a purchase um but your thoughts I, we have to talk about jean jacket because this is a creature that you know you see a ufo and you think it's housing something that is not what we get here so mm-hmm. zena what did you think about this creature and its evolution throughout the movie First off, I think the creature is beautiful. I know it's like, you know, but I do. I think it's so beautiful. Like, I was not expecting that. I was expecting, no. like, you know, little green men, a little bit, or kind of like what we saw in the barn, yeah. or OJ saw in the barn. So I was like, oh, and that scene actually did creep me out. I was like, there they yeah. are. Oh, yeah. Yeah, but yeah. this turned into something else. I feel like that's what makes it even creepier. So the fact that, you know, I'm not going to lie, when I left the theater, I was looking up, you know, because it was just kind of like, you never know, you know, where are those clouds that aren't moving? (laughs) And I, I love the fact that, okay, this is, this is going to sound so weird. So you guys remember, maybe this is how it was for you in kindergarten, but we used to play, play like parachute. Yeah. Yeah. So it was just the way it transformed. Like, I, I mean, it's very deadly. How can you not stare at it? I would get sucked away because I would just be looking at it. So, okay. Yeah. I, that's that's what I think about it, John. I mean, from the evolution of what we saw, you know, yeah, it starts out as a spaceship that Jupe even refers to as a ship, and like the watchers that are on the ship that he hasn't seen yet, but his theories to the idea of actually like basically seeing its gullet and people being stuck and digested and screaming inside Oof. of it. I'm sorry. If you don't call that horror, exactly. what the hell do you consider horror? Oof. You are listening to someone being digested in an alien just flying Their around. and then it just screams are echoing over the yes. gulch. Yes. And oh. then it just pisses out your blood. <laughs> like, it's expelling the all hell? of the undigestible waste. Yes. Yeah. Oh. So, like, that in itself. But then... At the very end, and, and I could see, I could see someone watching what Jean Jacket unfolds mm-hmm. into, for lack of a better term, and kind of being like, "What the hell am I looking mm-hmm. at?" But I remember watching a documentary years ago about alien life evolving on other planets, and how life evolved on Earth in a very specific way for very specific reasons because of our gravity and the temperature and the climate and all these things, but on other planets it's going to evolve in ways that don't even make sense to us. Mm -hmm. So that's what I saw. Like, as it was unfolding, I was like, well, yeah, this is an alien. This shouldn't make sense to us. The fact that it's even identifiable as a flying saucer in the first place 
it is astronomically <laughs> likely, but yeah, like when you see it unfolding into like this beautiful, and I, I didn't think of it in underwater terms, but it totally makes sense now yeah. for underwater life. It's just, it's an evolved creature from a completely other environment. Like that's just how life evolved there. So you're just like looking at this thing where your mind can't even wrap around what it's looking at mm -hmm. because we don't have anything like that here. And that's, that is alien. That's a definition of alien. Right. <laughs> you know, like it's not supposed to be familiar in the right. least. So I, I thought it was a, a, a really bold choice to do. And at the same, I think it was absolutely the right choice to do. It shouldn't be familiar. It should be alien. Um, John touched on this earlier, so I want to ask it now. Uh, did a rewatch kind of alter your perspective on the movie? Or did you maybe notice details? I mean, I'm sure the obvious is, yes, you you notice details um, upon a rewatch. Like, for example, uh, having watched it a second time or actually watching it in preparation for this episode, I noticed the opening kind of funnels us through what looks like a camera and yeah. then it opens mm. to at the other end of this like camera zoom. It opens us to the horse in motion by Edward Moybridge, which is considered the first. You know, M explains this to yep. on set. Um, but it wasn't until this, you know, like my subsequent watches that I realized that's the track. That's the inside of Jean Jacket. Yeah. And that's that, like the people float yeah. past that. Yeah. 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 And it's there's horses at the other end. And it's like alluding yeah. to this thing eating horses later. And I was just like, that's so brilliant. Or even like noticing that the Jupe subconscious has designed the Star Lasso experience and the merchandise yeah. and whatnot. So I'm curious, like, you know, Xena, did you pick up on things that you were like, whoa, I didn't catch that the first time? Or or was your perspective or appreciation deepened in any way? Um, so when I first watched it. Like, like many of you, like everybody, duh, we're not mind readers. I didn't know what to expect. Right. And I was like taking it all in. The second time I watched it, I'm not going to lie. It just made me sad. And I feel like I'm always telling you guys like, <laughs> that I'm that, that I that it makes me sad. So it's just it's not that I, I hated the movie. I think it is like brilliant. I feel like Jordan right. Bill, he is a he's truly a genius. Like, I love his vision. But it just made me sad because, um, you know, when you see who is, it, it's kind of like, okay, so with Juke as an example, you know, he was like a, you know, kid actor, right? Mm -hmm. And before the tragedy happened, like a lot of 90s show, it was like, he was like the butt of the jokes type of stuff, you know, yeah. where they were singling him out and kind of treating him, you know, a little bit different. Then, you know, um, he clearly just did not like, get over it you know I, I really hope that he would get counseling you know because you, you <laughs> yeah. need it but yeah. then even seeing um you know OJ and his sister it's kind of like you know in the world that we live in when it comes to with minority people and seeing you know because we were talking about content hopefully I don't sound choppy but this was going on in my brain so okay. with the content that we'll see the stuff that we'll see on social media that just not only black people go through, but people of color go through. So it's just like you have them coming together and they're really trying to like capture this thing mm -hmm. on screen. And yeah. they're kind of, um, they're a group of people that, you know, they're not always looked at as people, you know, like they're not always looked at as equals type of thing, you know? So it's just kind of like that, that they're chasing after this. 
um, this whole thing just so they'll be able to do that. And then it's like, it's so weird because I say this because I re- I remember there was an article when someone was just basically saying that, and I'll have to see if I can find it again, because it was like an interesting approach. They were like how they couldn't believe that Jordan Peele made a film like this. This didn't seem like his films at all, you know, because they felt like he would always have like a message. And it's just kind of like, but it's full of messages. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. It's I don't I don't. Did we watch the same movie? Right. Right. So it's it's kind of like it's not how it was we we talked about like Candyman, you know mm-hmm. need to cost his candy man and yeah. i it's not that i did not like the movie it's just that the movie made me sad in the same way that this yeah. one did where it's just like i still think that it's it's a beautiful movie but sometimes it touches on reality for me yeah and and that kind of like you know makes me down make me feel a little bit down you know um but just you know because it's just kind of like a reminder sometimes like with social media and sometimes we'll see people murdered on screen or you know just like different things I I can go into with that but it's just like I'm not again I'm not saying that it's a it's a bad movie at all because I I love it you know I think that you know it's a good time I do want to own it on blu-ray and stuff like that just so I'll be able to see like behind the scenes thing and I'm sorry I probably went down a rabbit hole with that that I actually actually want to ask you a question in response to that because I kind of read Mm -hmm this like there's a lot of inherent tragedy built into this but Mm -hmm. you know when we first meet the Haywood siblings they're on set they're kind of it's a little bit tense for them um Mm -hmm. but M gives that speech about how they they've always had skin in the game and how this black man in this first motion Mm -hmm. picture is forgotten we we credit the filmmaker but we don't credit the stars who are on this Mm -hmm. horse right and they're chasing this shot this money shot the entire movie um even though they're outsiders they are outside hollywood mm-hmm. system they're outside right. even like the theme park and it's their innovation working outside the system that ultimately makes them triumphant over jean jacket mm-hmm. so to me i saw this as like this is peel's journey too you know yeah. like people did not think of and he's making horror movies first and foremost for black people and if anybody else mm-hmm. likes it great so i kind of saw that as a parallel even outside of the movie so i kind of thought it was a I happy see, yeah. ending and i don't know if that like I, I love the ending i feel like the ending is very much a happy ending i know more people wanted more i didn't want any more i didn't want to see any more with it i i'm just happy that they were able to like get that shot and that oj is okay even though some people were saying no she was daydreaming stop no, it he's alive he's, he's alive yeah <laughs> thanks uh, John, uh, rewatches, how did that deepen or change things for you? Uh, I mean, it, it kind of added layers to, again, my perception of like our concepts of control and control, like Michael Wincott, the constantly watching the footage of the bugs. Like even he's trying to control nature. Like he's trying to control it within a shot. And then he's trying to capture the shot of nature. Like he's trying to capture the impossible shot or the impossible shot. Um, the one... It, it was really kind of rewatching Jupe though, because the the one the part that really stood out for me was the actual show, the presentation that he has when Jean Jacket eats everybody. <laughs> Spoilers? I don't know why. why I you just keep felt the need to say warning? that. Yeah, I know it's so dumb. Who would be listening? Like, wait, what? You I think know? because that scene, I didn't expect all of a sudden everyone to get eaten. That yeah, I felt bad that saying was it right crazy. there. Crazy, but, but. What I didn't notice is the first time that they go, OJ and M go into his office 
uh, his wife, Jupe's wife is on the phone mm-hmm. and she's talking about how she was able to scrounge up a couple of more press passes. And I didn't get it nearly as much the first time, I maybe in the back of my head, but she's, she's trying to sell someone on the idea that people give a shit about what's happening. So when you see the actual show, there's almost no one there. There's some random tourists who are just at the park. There's the people who work at the park up in the stands. The presentation is a little shaky with the music and everything. But clearly they tried to get the press to show up mm-hmm. and nobody cared that they were like, he thought that he was good. This is going to be this amazing reveal. The stands were going to be packed and it was not. He was practicing. You hear him practice in the distance at night when another horse gets eaten or whatever. Like he's been preparing for this for six months mm-hmm. and nobody cares at all. <laughs> he thinks it's going to be his break. But they've been trying to get the press there. Like, this is the epitome of someone who used to be in the public eye, thinking that they still have some sort of a pull or that there's going to be some level of interest in their next thing. And the reality is, probably not. Like, they have to have a reason. So this child actor who's arguably biggest claim to fame was being in a little co- being a kid sheriff and then a monkey killing his co-stars... They're not going to show up in his random Wild West show in the middle of nowhere unless he, and even if he says there's going to be an alien, no one's going to show up to see that. No, no one from the press. So it was kind of like these added levels of it, like subtleties. And I think obviously like that's what Jordan Peele does so well. It's the subtleties of everything that's going on. It's. It's a, it's almost like everything's a little bit less than you expect it to be or what you're used to seeing. And I remember when we watched it the first time, me and my wife said, because I I don't think we both were able to really take it in Mm -hmm. because it wasn't, we didn't know what we were going to expect, but it's not what we expected. But the big thing that I thought of right away is Jordan Peele is making the movies he wants to make. Mm -hmm. And that more than anything else is amazing, especially in this content climate full of superheroes and sequels. Having someone who's got enough pull and studio backing and fan base and artistic vision and one of the best cinematographers in the world uh, because the shots in it are also gorgeous that he's still making like, yeah, I'm going to make an alien movie, but it's, you know, kind of about a lot of other stuff and people are like, okay, (laughs) like that's amazing. I'm sorry. Just real quick. I was giggling because you said that he was, Juke was practicing in the night. (laughs) There was a wall horse was being eaten. It's like I yeah. I'm, I'm not trying to laugh, but yeah, that was horrible. That that I mean, that's right. To every horse that 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 OJ sells to Jupe, Jupe is feeding to Jean Jacket, right? Uh, like that's, that's why Jupe's buying the horses. Yeah, because wow. he's feeding them to him. Yeah. So like that's what I didn't understand at first because you hear the speech in the distance, but I kind of remembered it. So then when he's doing the speech for all the people in the middle of the day, I'm like, oh my god, he's been rehearsing this. Like everything has been this rehearsal and like, he's been trying to like, he thinks he controls this thing. He does not. No. Can you, can you imagine Megan, if you were sent out there on press day, like, Oh, don't go. Like no, to the you find another reason. Yeah. No, like, but ah, I will no. go to universal studios to take a look at, at the recreation. Um, 
obviously we could be here all night unpacking this movie um, because there is a lot going on. There's different themes at play. There's different interpretations at play. Mm -hmm. There's so many details happening, Um, but we will stop there. Yeah. Yeah. It's a lot. It's it's if you've only seen it once, I do highly recommend watching it again. I feel that way about all Jordan Peele's movies, though. Frankly, I feel that way about a lot of horror movies in general. And I think to Zena's point about the feels, mm-hmm. that's when the feels do hit. Yeah. Because you stop being a spectator and seeing what's gonna happen next. And then you start seeing like like what I said before, grounding the horror in reality like makes it scary. Mm-hmm. But horror gets sad too yeah like when you ground it in reality horror very rarely gets happy when it's grounded in reality mm-hmm. <laughs> you know so it, it's all it's feels and in in a way that i don't think we that i haven't i didn't feel would get out or us right it, it was very different for a lot of reasons which is also just fantastic filmmaking when you can recreate yourself that way can i ask a quick question and I don't know if we were going to just real quick. Um, and I, we probably talked about this when we weren't recording. But how would you guys rank Jordan Pills movies? Oh, Where does this it. one I was fall? afraid you guys were going to ask this. Yeah, I know. I, I was like, I, I don't know. I don't know. Okay. Uh, Do you want to go, John? I have to I have to rewatch Get Out. I own Get Out and I've only seen it once. Um, it's just one of those that I keep forgetting to, to rewatch. I'm, I still, I'm maybe unpopular opinion right now i think it's still it's us nope get out not because i don't like get out Mm -hmm. i just like the other two for different reasons right okay oh gosh um (laughs) this is hard but i kind of think it's gonna be get out nope us for me and they're all super fighting neck and neck they're all Mm -hmm. accomplished filmmaking but they all deliver very different experiences so yes how about you zina mine actually changed at first it was get out nope us but now Uh you know it's us nope get out wow wow i didn't think i was gonna go lockstep on that one with you yeah surprise surprise love it um but yeah i don't really feel like there's any wrong answer they're all good no not at all yeah i agree speaking of it all being good that was the bloody disgusting podcast for this week everyone if you'd like to read more from megan you can check out her reviews of bloodydisgusting.com and on twitter at haunted meg zena can be found on her own website realqueenofhorror.com and youtube channel the same name or at lovely zena on twitter and you can hear me and my weekly horror narration podcast creepy don't forget to hit subscribe on your favorite podcast app and feel free to follow us on instagram and twitter at be disgusting pod or drop us an email at be disgusting podcast at gmail.com so for this week i'm john i'm megan i'm zena Grab some popcorn, cozy up on the couch, and watch something you love. Just make sure it's something bloody. 